Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. I'm your host, Derek, as always, and you are joining us for episode 97 today. And today, we are going back to a game we haven't talked about in a long time. We last talked about this game in episode 45 of the podcast. This is our final review on Vigor. So, I always said when talking about Vigor, we did three podcasts on it before. Update 0.6 is an update I didn't like very much, and it kind of changes the game a lot. I always said that when it went free to play, I would come back and do another podcast about it. And that's what I'm here to do today. Um, Vigor recently went free to play. I don't know how long ago it was, but I think it was within the last month, I think, it went free to play. But it is now free to play, so you can play this for free now. And I have come back to uh, kind of give my final thoughts on it. And uh, I'm going to do something I've never done before, actually, and give it a score. So, because I've played enough of this game, I've, you know, seen all the iterations of it, and I think I have. Uh, enough knowledge of it to at least give it a score. So we're going to give it a score at the end of this. But before we get into that, just some quick notes at the top of the show. Our next podcast, next Saturday, is probably going to be a Borderlands 3 launch special. I didn't want to do that right now because I haven't fully finished the story yet. I'm like four missions away from finishing the story. So I want to uh, finish the story first and kind of dig into the game a little bit more before I do a podcast on that. But we will be doing a podcast on that uh, very soon. If it's not next week, it'll be the one after that. So either episode 98 or 99 will be a Borderlands 3 launch special. And then next stream is going to be Sunday, 12 to 4 Eastern. We're going to stream some Dead by Daylight, the new Stranger Things chapter released for that game. And we are going to uh, dive into that. I know we were supposed to play it on Tuesday. I'm sorry that I was uh, not feeling well. I had a really bad virus that uh, got a hold of me and I had to unfortunately cancel that stream. But I am doing uh, a lot better now, so on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday next week, we're going to do 12 to 4, Dead by Daylight. We're going to you know, rock that for three streams in a row. And then also, Monday night, I'm going to have an extra stream. Uh, that's going to be our night stream for the week. That's going to be 8 p.m. to midnight Eastern. That's going to be either State of Decay 2 or Borderlands 3. Uh, right now, it's probably looking more likely it's going to be State of Decay 2, just because my usual partner for the Borderlands streams, I don't think will be available that late at night. So we're probably going to do some State of Decay 2 and um, just do some looting and, you know, have some fun with that. But that being said, we do have a guest coming back with us for this Vigor episode. It's actually the same guest that was with us for episode 45 about Vigor. And it's a guest you haven't heard from in a while. Um, you might have thought, you know, where, where is this guy? You know, what has he been up to? Well, I'm pleased to announce that I'm coming back to the podcast for the first time since episode 81 about Sea of Thieves. Please welcome back Monty to the podcast. How are you, Monty? Hello. It's been far too long. Far, far it, too long. It, it has. I mean, the last podcast you were on was back in May, so it's been four months. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to tell uh, the podcast listeners out there, you know, what you've been up to? Cause, I mean, you know, four months is quite a while. It's uh, your longest absence yet. Uh, I was... I was on a quest to destroy a ring. Um, my my friend had got it for his birthday and just gone crazy, obsessed with it. So it was like, throw the right, fire? here we go again. Well, it he had the the ring, but he you know we we get we get to the bottom of the mountain and suddenly he's like having second thoughts, you know, cold feet. So I just have to like drag him up by the ear. You know how it is. Oh, well, you should have held the door for him then. <laughs> Would have been a good idea. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's good to have you back, Monty. You know, um, 
what have you actually been up to? Because um, you know, I'm sure listeners want to know a little bit. Um, I know you had, like, <laughs> I know you had like a move and everything. So uh, genuinely, yeah, I've well, I've sort of now started uni, so I've had to move from where I was up in London down to middle of nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I've, I've just been busy eight till five every day, including weekends. So it hasn't been fun. It's just been long and busy between moving and my course. So nothing uh, exciting to report, really? <laughs> not not hugely. Um, I I performed in a couple of plays in the Camden Fringe for any, any of you awesome. British theatricals out there. Might, might know that. Yeah, I wouldn't know personally because uh, I'm not, you know, from the UK. But, you know, it, it sounds cool, though. So. Really? I'm shocked as to your lacking of knowledge in the area of British fringe theatre. Yeah, sorry. I, I forgot to read that book in high school, so, you know, uh, it was required reading, but I skipped it, so. You know, take notes, take notes, kids. Do your homework. Do the required reading. Exactly. It pays off. But funny enough, Monty, you, know, you still technically hold the record for uh, most appearances on the podcast, but... Actually, um, another guy from the UK that you met in episode 81 is actually uh, catching up to you a little bit. Uh, Zombie Killer Mod, who is also one of my stream mods, um, he's been back on the podcast several times, a lot of the time for Borderlands podcast, and uh, he's catching up to you. So, you know, he's not too, too close yet, but he is firmly in second place now, and he's coming up on your ear. Yeah, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm not rejected from doing the podcast, maybe I'll hold my place. <laughs> If I'm not allowed to do the Borderlands podcast, then I, I you know, it, the, the place is his. Well, you're allowed to come back. You know, you just got to uh, play some Borderlands 3 and, you know, uh, we can talk about Borderlands 3 anytime you play it. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yes. So maybe you'll be on that uh, launch special, maybe not, but, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get you back on soon. Indeed. But since you are a Game Pass owner... um. We did talk offline quickly about um, maybe you could, you know, download Dead by Daylight and uh, join as a guest for that sometime, too. So Yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in checking that out. Yeah, and, you know, then it would be just uh, ACC and I, because, you know, usually it's just ACC and I for that, but, you know, it'd be kind of fun to have a third guest on there to kind of talk about it. More friends. Exactly. <laughs> but um, since episode 45, that feels like forever ago. That's like almost, we're almost double the episodes since then. Um, basically that was update 0.6 in the game. The game has now gone full release and has come free to play. And I know in that episode we talked about, you know, uh, going free to play in February. Well, they obviously pushed that back because this episode I think was like back in, I don't know, November, October, something like that of 2018. And free to play actually got pushed so far back that it just recently came out. So in all that time, there are some new things that came to the game that I think are worth talking about, and then we can kind of talk about some of our notes that we had from the previous podcast and kind of uh, where we feel about them now. But um, one of the things that's new in the game that I think is really interesting is this idea of a comm station, a signal booster, and a barred house. What do you think of those so far? I they're they're more hotspots on the map. You know, it's more places to keep away from for me. I accidentally ended up at the <laughs> at the comm station one time and immediately got killed. Um, but I, I like the signal booster, at least, and I haven't yet been to the Bard House. Yeah, I mean, we should probably tell people what they are exactly. Um, the signal booster, what this does is, this is the only way in the game that you can actually see the enemies in the map. So for a short amount of time, if you activate the signal booster, 
you'll be able to see red dots on the map where all the other people in the game are. And this is interesting because part of the concept of Vigor is you never know how many people are on the map. You know, you know okay, I started with eight people on my map, but you never know how many of those people exited, how many of those people got killed. So you never have any idea how many people are left on the map. So this signal booster actually allows you to see how many people are on the map for a short amount of time. It's very short. It's only like, I forget how long exactly. I think it's like between five and ten seconds. Like it's super, super short. But it's an interesting concept actually to look at it and be like, oh, okay, you know, there's one guy by the drop zone. There's two over there. Like, so it's actually kind of interesting to uh, play in a strategy around that. Yeah, no, it's the nice thing is it's usually a bit away from most of the hotspots. Like, obviously, the the signal booster at least is, you know, it's a place where you can go to get a useful boost. So it's going to be, it's going to attract people. But to an extent, it's generally a bit further away from the drop zone and things. So it's a bit safer to get in there, you know, use the signal booster, see where people are, see where's safe to go, or if you're the sort of person that likes looking for the PvP, uh, know where to hunt for people, things like that. So it, it, it's got so many uses, and it's it's not too dangerous. I'd say it's not always safe, though, because I have found times where, like, I jump in a map, and the signal booster, the comm station, and the drop zone are, like, all in the same spot. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to that spot, then. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to stay away from there. That, that's why you uh, not too dangerous. It, it can it can be dangerous, but but if everything's in the same spot, then you know that's going to be a super hot zone. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay yeah. away from that zone. Yeah, when when you've got all of them close together, there's there's going to be stuff going down. Exactly. But the comm station. This is a really interesting uh, concept too. I don't know if you've used it yet, but the comm station can actually change location of the airdrop. So you get that green circle for the airdrop's going to be, and if you go to the comm station. Uh, early enough, because if you go for it too late, when it's about the drop's about to happen, it won't let you change it because the drop is literally about to happen. But if you go there early enough in the um, session, you can actually change it to one of four locations. So it'll show you a number, one, two, three, or four, and you get to pick, okay, I want it at number one, I want it at location two, I want location three or four. And, you know, depending on what you want to do, you can actually make it, um, the drop zone go closer to you, farther from you, whatever you want. I actually have the tactic a lot of times that if I'm by the comm station, some it actually happens more often than not, the comm station is kind of close to the drop zone. And what I usually do is try to get to the comm station, move the drop zone far, farthest away from me as possible. That way people just stay over there and stay out of my way, and then I can loot. That is sensible. The one time I've used it, I accidentally placed it right on top of me and then immediately got shot in the back. So, I haven't used it well yet. Yeah, I mean, I've used it a few times, and I I think the best use for me is, like I said, just been, you know, pushing the drop zone as far away from me as possible, because then no one's going to come to the comm station. No one's going to come around that area, because they're like, well, the drop zone is over here. I better go that way. Definitely, definitely a good tactic. It's only a good tactic, though, if you're, like, trying to loot and get out of there. If you're obviously trying to get the drop zone and trying to get the drop crate, then it probably wouldn't be a good tactic, because then you have to run away far away yourself, so... You're probably better off to leave it uh, somewhere close to you if you're trying to get the drop. Yeah. But the last one of these, um, we'll hold off on for one second because I want to talk about a small vault that you actually uh, were the person that told me how to unlock. So there's small blue vaults you can find in random houses sometimes. I found a lot of them like uh, upstairs on like balconies and stuff like that. But this contains a little bit of loot that's, um, you know, 
more valuable loot and uh, actually has a code in there, a four-digit code. And do you want to tell me how you actually break this code? Sure thing. So when you when you find the the vault, um, they they generally or at least the ones I found, they look like large blue boxes. And when you try to open it like normal, instead a code comes up, it's a four-digit code, um, and you cycle through the numbers for each digit until you feel your controller buzz. And when your controller buzzes, that means you found the right digit. So you rinse and repeat with each of the four digits until you've got the four-digit code. You go out, uh, and then it opens the box, uh, generally, I've found you then go out of the menu and then it lets you open the box and you can get all the loot. And this is generally things like um, just some nice nails, some metal, uh, you know, it's a bunch of common loot. And then as well, uh, I've had generally fuel from it, uh, so some rare loot as well. Yeah, basically the way I would describe it is it's more like an advanced loot container. Like, say you have, you know, a toolbox that you find in the ground. You can obviously search that and find some nails or whatever, but this is a more advanced loot container where you're going to get more of whatever object you find. So if there's nails in there, there's going to be, you know, maybe 30 nails instead of like 10. So it'll have more of the stuff that you're trying to find. Mm, exactly. So it's quite often useful if you're just running in and out for some quick loot because it's because it's a random thing. People are, Tons of people aren't going to be flocking to it. You just right. find it around. So if you're just going house to house, you're quite likely to find something like this, get some useful loot, and you can get out without finding too much hassle. And I will say, too, I don't know if you've found the same thing, but I have found that these are usually locations that you have to, like, stick around the house more to find them. It's not, like, where you can just, you know, walk in the front door, check the first room, find it, and get out of there. Like, it's usually you have to look around the house a little bit more to get to it. So if you're the type of player that, like, just, you know, goes in one room and then leaves then you're probably not going to find as much as what I found. You have to be the type of player that like actually searches you know, head and toe for everything. Yeah, I've I, I found them in fairly obvious locations so far. Um, I found them right in the fr one right in the front of a garage, and then one in a shed. So one of them was very obvious, and the other one was in a one-room okay. building. So they, uh, that all comes down to just the luck, but you're a lot more likely to find them if you do actually look through the houses because right, it's exactly. not always going to spawn in these simple locations. Yeah, like you know how most houses have it upstairs and then you can go outside on the balcony upstairs? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's where I usually found most of mine because that's actually not a bad location because a lot of people don't even go out there because usually there's nothing there. But, you know, sometimes you go out there and you find a safe. I'm like, oh, cool, it's safe. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's just a nice little bonus extra, like some good stuff. With that. Yeah, it kind of rewards you for actually going upstairs. Usually upstairs, like, there's usually nothing upstairs. So most people probably don't even go upstairs, but I always go up there just in case. I'm like, oh, wow, there's a safe up here, cool. Mm. But the reason why I held off on our last, like, special location on the map is because it kind of ties into these smaller vaults. So these smaller vaults can be found, you know, just randomly in the world, like different houses and stuff. But the Bard House is kind of like a uh, house that's boarded up and basically you have to break into the house in order to uh, get the special loot that's in there. So sometimes these barred houses have doors you can just walk right in. Sometimes the house has the door barred up too and basically what you have to do is uh, hit X in your controller, hold it. It's kind of like as if you're searching um, for the drop loot container, like you know the uh, airdrop. It's kind of like that where it takes a little bit longer so you have to hold down X a little bit longer. 
get a board off, hold on X again, get another board off. You kind of take down the boards uh, little by little. So sometimes you have to do that to get into the house. And then inside the house, you're going to find a room that's barred up uh, even more so. And you have to do the same thing, break into that room. And you'll actually see um, a better version of the vaults that you see in the regular houses. So um, think like, you know, two times the size of those smaller blue little vaults. This is an actual like uh, standing upright vault. It's got, you know, the... Uh, Four pronged, you know, kind of spinner uh, controls where, like, you'd spin the vault open, you know, kind of like a bank vault. And this, what you have to do when you get to it is you literally just um, hold X to unlock it, but then it takes a little while to unlock. And what happens is it gets a notification on the map to everyone the safe is being unlocked. So that lets everyone know, okay, at the barred house, someone's unlocking the safe. So within like 10 seconds, that safe is going to be unlocked. So it sometimes sends people coming to your way to try and get the loot of the safe. But inside this safe is actually a ton of great loot. And it's a lot better than uh, any container you're going to find in the game. The only thing that might be better, uh, arguably, is getting the airdrop itself. But basically, besides the airdrop itself, this is the best container in the game. And it has a ton of great loot. It usually has some rare consumables, things like that. And it has large quantities of them as well. So I know you haven't actually gone to the Bard House to get money, but um, this is how, why it's different, basically. And I think it's a really cool location. It's a location that I like to uh, hunt for every time I'm on the map now because I like the loot, and this is like the best looting spot in the game. Yeah, uh, I suppose for a game, the people that like the PvP element, that's a good place to go to find people because it'll be another hotspot with good vaults like that. Yeah, it could be. I mean, but um, honestly, most of the times I went for the barn house, I actually got away without ever really seeing anyone. So it seems like this actually isn't as hot of a spot as you think. Because um, it seems like people might want to go for the airdrop more so. So. It seems like the barred house, a lot of times I've found, is just, you know, up for the taking. The only thing I'd say is that if you start the game pretty far away from it, you should basically give up on it automatically because whoever starts fairly close to that is going to get it before you actually get there. So um, if you want to get it, then you have to be lucky enough to start close to it somewhat. But as long as you start somewhat close to it, you can get it and get out of there. Mm. No, it's the more you know. Yeah. But I would definitely suggest the next time you play Monty, um, definitely go for that Bard House because it's a really uh, different experience and something interesting in the game. I'll definitely try it out. But there are also some other new things in the game. Um, for example, in your training uh, shooting range that you start in before you actually enter the encounters back at your base, there's now shooting challenges that at the shooting range that uh, involve more practice. So it'll be like, uh, use this gun and get, you know, 10 targets down a certain amount of time or something like that. Have you actually tried these shooting challenges? I have, yes. I, I managed to get a bronze on one. Nice. So uh, you want to talk about them a little more? Because I tried them for like a brief amount of time, but I barely tried them, honestly. So you're probably better to talk about it. Yeah, so as mentioned, they're fairly simple. Um, you know, with a gun, hit so many targets, and it's timed. But each mission, you might have different sorts of targets. So for example, with a uh, a sniper-style weapon like the M21, you might have hit five small targets that are really far away. But with something more like an assault rifle or a pistol, you might have hit three of these big road signs, um, things like that. Uh, and it obviously it's timed with how much 
sort of how quickly you do it, and you get a if you get within certain time frames, then you get a score for it. Uh, and each weapon I ha- has, I believe, four challenges. And f- every time you get a new weapon, and you walk into the into the shooting range, it unlocks that weapon's challenges. Um, so you you don't even have to have the blueprints for the weapon or anything like that. As long as you get the weapon at some point, uh, you unlock the challenge, and you can use that weapon to have a go at these challenges. And did you find the challenges hard, or are they like super difficult, or? Yeah, if if you're really good with shoot, sort of your shooting and everything, then I feel like they won't be that bad. But for me, at least, I struggled. Um, I would say that I may be average with my, with my skills, and as I mentioned, I only got one bronze, so they're they're pretty difficult. Yeah, but I'd imagine though, if you master them, like you get gold on all of them, then you're probably going to be better in the encounter. So you actually practice that. So. Exactly. I'm I'm pretty sure I mentioned in the last one that I really like the the shooting range because it's a good place to have some fun with your guns. And you don't need to worry about losing them. And the shooting range, it still stands. It's a fun place where you can just mess around with the guns you have without ha- having to worry about losing ammo or the weapons itself. And now you can actually you know, challenge yourself whilst you're there and get something to show for it. Exactly. I, I do think that's something unique about Vigor in a good way is that it has this shooting range where you can practice and a lot of games don't have that kind of thing. You know, say you want to practice in like PUBG or something, then you have to actually go in a match and actually, you know, hope that you find somebody and don't die, you know, quick enough that you can actually get a couple shots out and practice. Like, so this is actually something where you can practice but without risk of dying. Yeah. So no, the the shooting range has only improved, in my opinion. I agree. It's a lot cooler now. Um, it's you know has a lot more targets that it used to have. It actually now has, uh, which I never had before, but it actually has standing dummies, like scarecrow kind of dummies that you can actually treat as people to try and practice your aim against them. So I thought that was really cool. I, I enjoyed picking them apart with my various weapons. Yeah, and it never had that before, and I think that's really cool because it kind of, you know, gives you the sense like, okay, this I have to pretend this is a person in the game. Like, okay, I got to take them out. Yeah, so you know, if if you're new, or even if you just have a gun you want to test out, new gun, you don't know how it how it fires, how the recoil works, how much of a mag you have, you know, just just to get a good feel of the weapon, definitely stop off there. Exactly. Yeah, any new gun you get, I would definitely suggest um, bringing it over there before you jump an encounter. That way, you can kind of test it out a little bit. But there are some other new challenges, too, which I found um, these really interesting as well. There's some daily challenges. There's uh, two daily challenges per day that you can do, and they take uh, several hours to reset if you uh, get them done. And there's also a mission-oriented challenge, which um, gives you, like, some kind of mission objective that it takes a little bit longer, maybe. Like, it's like, you know, build level three of your shelter uh, or... um. The one that I'm on right now, you have to collect 50 food in uh, an encounter and then, you know, um, donate it. And that's the one I'm on right now. But these challenges, they actually give you a free loot, basically, if you do them. And some of this free loot, especially the mission-oriented ones, actually ends up being crates. You can get free uh, common crates, free rare crates. And things like that. And I think this is a really interesting idea. And it's an idea that actually uh, makes me want to play the game more to try and get these challenges done and get some more loot. No, I I, I like the daily challenges as well. Um, I think they bring some 
refreshing, much needed new goals to the game, um, and just give you some extra things to do whilst you're playing. Um, I have these same uh, get food in an encounter mission as well, um, and I've I've literally just gone through farming a bunch of the challenges I've had because, for example, from one challenge I got over three hundred metal. And that gave me enough to just completely level up my next part of my shelter. So they can be, you know, almost more beneficial than doing a mission itself. Or, sorry, jumping into an encounter itself, just looking at these challenges. Exactly. Uh, some of them are really easy. Some are just, like, jump into ten encounters, build three pistols, things like that. So some are really simple and give you really good rewards. And I want to say, too, that with these crates that you can actually get from it, uh, it's actually new since our last episode. They have different types of crates. The crates used to always be, you know, one crate, and basically that was all you got. You know, you just had this one crate, and you open the crate and see what you get. But now they actually have different types of crates for different uh, rarity levels. So they have a common crate, an uncommon crate, a rare crate, a special issue crate, which only there's only one special issue weapon in the game right now, and a uh, military grade crate. And these crates had different things. Some of the things in the crates are, you know, uh, mass quantities of items, like, say, you know, a thousand materials or a thousand glass. Some of the things are, you know, it gives you, like, seven of a type of weapon, so you have, like, a good stockpile of that type of weapon. Some of the things are crafting plans, so you can actually build more of the weapons. And then a few things um, are cosmetics. Like, I got um, one winter hat, for example, out of one of the crates, and I had that winter hat for now. Or I got, um, like, a weapon skin that I can put on a weapon. So there's different things in the crates and uh, different rarity levels that I think are pretty interesting too. No, I, I I know I expressed concern with the crate system initially in our last episode. I was worried that it was going to sort of be another loot crate sort of system, you know, pay to get loot crates and you just get rubbish. And all, all of that was just after the whole EA, you know, controversy right. around that. But I, I actually like how the loot crates work in Vigor because you can just get tons of guns from them um, for example I have something like 18 G3s which are some high end rare assault rifles and you can't craft those until you have crafting table level 8 so it's it's going to be a long time before I could even think about crafting them um, but I've got an abundance of them to play with uh, I've also got a bunch of N21s as well, so you can get some really good loot without having to go through ages of crafting them, which means you can still hold an edge in games, or even, you know, just get an advantage. Um, for, I, I think I played something like two, three, maybe four hours by myself a game this time round, so on top of the two hours I played last time, I've maybe total clocked six hours in solo, and through that I already have some pretty good gear. Uh, so the the crates can work. They can work. I like how they work. Yeah, same here. I think the crates are really interesting, and I really love how they built some crates into those challenges too, because mm. it used to be the only way you can get crates is you know getting the airdrop. And I like that there's actually a couple other ways to get crates now. I'm not sure if, like, maybe super far in the uh, mission level, like, uh, challenges, Maybe super far along in that, you can actually get the military grade or special issue crates. But um, so far, I haven't seen any of those type of crates. So I would assume you have to get far along in the track to get that because those are kind of like you know high end 
crates, but um, I actually did get at least like one or two rare crates out of the challenges, which is cool. I, I know I've opened something like four rare crates, and that's just from doing challenges and stuff. It's really easy to get them. Um, but I know for a fact the getting 50 food from an encounter mission, that gives you a special issue crate. Does it? Okay, I didn't look at that. What it gives yes. you. Well, I guess I had to get on it. I have like uh, 30 food so far. I think there's 20 more. So. <laughs> Definitely get on it then. <laughs> yeah, I guess you have to too. So. But uh, kind of related to these new crates being involved, there's actually a new uh, system in the game that you can actually increase your loot into certain things before you actually jump in a game. So basically what happens now is used to actually just, you know, go to the map, jump into a location, and that's it. Now it actually puts you into like a pre-map screen where you can see your opponents and you can see all the weapons they're carrying, which, by the way, is awesome. That's a really cool uh, addition to the game. And I like that you can tell, you know, okay, Monty's bringing, you know, uh, this G3 into the game. I only have a knife. I, I better stay away from Monty. Like, that's a really cool addition, actually. No, it... I mean, obviously, it allows for some questionable things to go in, on in the game because one of the things you can do is you can insure your items. So for 60 crowns, which is sort of a premium currency, for 60 crowns, you can insure your items, which means everything you have except for the airdrop, uh, if you die, you, you get to keep it, you get it back. Um, so if you go in with duos, what you can do is if one person insures all your items, you can go in with a bunch of good guns, your friend kills you, takes the guns, then he leaves, you come back, you've got the guns because you insured them, and then he also has the guns because he stole them. I didn't even think about that, but that's kind of a cheap way to do things. I guess, so so if, if you want to <laughs> get some a large amount of good guns, you can easily do it that way. I, I guess so, yeah. I mean, this premium currency, though, you do have to actually purchase it with real money or earn it with challenges. And the challenges I did so far, it gives you like 10 currency per challenge. So it takes you a while to even get one insurance, basically, with that. You, you ca there is an item uh, or, an, or an upgrade you can get for the house, which does actually generate crowns over a period of time. Uh, a lot like the woodlock, how that works with generating resources. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that, yes. Um, I mean, it... It's still taking you a while to actually build up some crowns, probably, though, but... Yeah, um, but I have no idea if, because of how this system works, you could, in theory, get a trading system half going in, in the game of offering to trade high-end items, but the, that's the, the duplication is one thing you can do with the new premium currency. Yeah, I actually have a lot of premium currency right now because it's part of the Founders Pack, they gave you a bunch of it, so I have like a little over fifteen hundred of it right now. Oh but I haven't, I haven't used a lot of it yet, just because I want to kind of see what happens and you know, see what comes up. But like that was part of the uh, deal for the Pounders Pack. But um, we'll, we'll get to uh, another part of what you can use currency on in a little bit. But um, part of that, you know, preloading screen where you can jump into the matches. There's two other things you can do there with currency for forty-five currency. Uh, these crowns currency you could actually increase the uh, rarity of the airdrop. So that's what I was referring to earlier. Basically, you know, all the people in the game can do it. So if you have like an eight-person game, you know, one person can spend 45, another person can spend 45, and the more people that actually put in 45 to increase the rarity of the airdrop, the better it'll be. So you could probably get up to like a special issue crate if you know enough people put it in there. 
but or if it, no one puts it in, it's probably going to be more like a common or uncommon crate. And the other thing you can do is, for 30 crowns, you can actually increase the percentage of loot in the game. So, uh, basically, the more people that do this, the more loot that's actually going to appear in the game. And it's actually noticeable, too, because I only did this one time so far to test it out, but somebody else uh, did this. They spent 30 crowns. I'm like, well, if they already did it, I'll jump in, too. I'll, I'll spend 30 as well. And with two of us doing it, it actually um, made a lot more loot in the game, and it's kind of noticeable. I go to location and be like, oh, wow, there's a lot more stuff here at the school. So you can actually do those types of things to get more loot or get better crates as well, which I do like that, and it's kind of a unique way to spend your currency. Yeah, well, so the only other option to do with the premium currency is spending it on cosmetics, which we'll talk about in a, in a short while, in a little bit. But it means that you can also use this premium currency to benefit not just you in-game, but the whole server, because if you spend for the the loot increase, the whole server gets that loot increase. Right. Uh, obviously, everyone can get the airdrop, so everyone technically benefits from the uh, from the airdrop. Better crate one. And then the insurance is just you, and if you're in duos, you and your teammate, you're both insured. Uh, but that's more expensive, so obviously it does benefit and it's cheaper to benefit everyone than just yourself. I would actually counter on one of your points there. Like, I would say that the only thing that really benefits everyone in the server is the more loot option, but the better crate, that doesn't really benefit the whole server because it only benefits whatever one guy gets out of there with the airdrop. So it basically, if you're spending money on you know making that airdrop better, you better be damn sure you're going to get that airdrop that game. Yeah, of, of course. Because, like, you know, if five people all spend for the airdrop, then four of those people that spent for the airdrop are going to go home with just wasting money. Well, you know, what you can do with the duos is you could get you and another person to both spend to increase the loot, increase the airdrop, and then one person could insure you both as well. So, you know, you go in with your best gear, you're not going to lose anything, but you could get some really good loot out of it. True, true. And... We'll get to duos a little bit uh, more after, but um, I did have one random game of duos that I want to bring up quickly that was kind of interesting, and it, it kind of makes me wonder what the uh, current meta is for a lot of people that play this game, but I was uh, doing with a random guy that I joined up with, and we didn't speak to each other ever, but uh, we went to the Bard house first, we got the Bard house, and I popped open the safe, I grabbed that, and then we kind of headed for the airdrop location, and uh, we came up into a firefight with another team, and I died in that encounter, but, uh, then he ended up getting the airdrop, and it kind of makes you wonder, you know, maybe the meta in the game is, like, it's kind of an unspoken rule, where, like, okay, you know, I'll get the barred house, if I get the barred house, that means you get the airdrop, because that's kind of what I, uh, took it as, so, I'm like, well, okay, I got the barred house, I'll help you get the airdrop, you take the airdrop, and we'll fix it, so, it kind of makes you wonder if that's, like, kind of the meta, or if people, um, usually team kill instead to try and get greedy, or what? Well, obviously, I had a very different duo encounter to you. In my duo encounter, we ended up bumping into some people who were camping in a room. Uh, I got killed. My partner hid in a bush, and they ran past him several times and couldn't find him. <laughs> I remember that, so yeah. That, that, that was my duo's encounter, <laughs> which is, of course, a lot less successful. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, at least mine I got a kill, because we came up against this team, and it was kind of funny, too, because uh, no one really was, like, the, you know, master of that encounter. Basically, I killed the first guy, then his teammate came up out of the bushes behind him, he killed me, 
and then my partner killed him. So basically, three of us got one kill there, but <laughs> really, it's kind of like a chain reaction. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, oh well, I, I guess I killed somebody at least. So better than me. And my partner actually is the one that made up the best because you know he took the bard house uh, loot off my party, and he also took their loot. And then he ended up getting the airdrop too, so he made out like a bandit. None of us really won at the end of the day, then, except for your partner. <laughs> exactly. But the last new thing in the game that I wanted to mention, unless you can think of something else afterwards, is this store that you uh, briefly mentioned. And the store is now active. It has uh, about five or six cosmetic options to buy. Most of them seem to be gun skins, though, and you can't really get a full outfit, so... Like, uh, currently in the store, I think there's, like, a yellow uh, safety helmet. There's, like, um, a couple different colors of bags that you, you know, put on your shoulder. So, like, there's a green bag and, like, a brown bag, I think. And then there's a couple of different weapon skins, and the weapon skins only apply to one certain weapon. So, um, I don't know how you feel, Monty, but to me, the store seems like kind of a joke. I mean, like, <laughs> like I was expecting a store that actually had, like, the ability to buy some clothing options and like basically the only clothing option right now is like you can either buy you want a green bag a brown bag or a yellow hat like i'm like uh okay well i, I don't really want that stuff like i want like a new vest or something <laughs> yeah the the store just functions in the same way as the fortnite store does it most of the items are very lackluster maybe a slight change in the appearance of things but there's nothing significant at the moment um, maybe in the future that'll change. There'll be some really cool stuff there, but at the moment, yeah, there's there's not really much point to buy the currency. And the currency, I I took a look at some of the prices. It's really expensive. So, uh, how how much currency did you say you have? I have about fifteen hundred right now. A little bit over that. So for I think it was about three three thousand. It's about eighty British pounds. So that's maybe closer to a hundred USD. Um, yeah. So basically, I have like the amount of like fifty dollars USD. Yeah. It, but so the yellow helmet, which is the most expensive thing in the store as of time of recording, or at least last I played, um, that was about three hundred and forty crowns. Um, so your one thousand five hundred. That's going to last you a while, and you can get so many things with that, but. No, the the prices are pretty crazy. Uh, the the currency is not cheap. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, but the one thing I'll say, like you mentioned, the Fortnite store. To me, it doesn't even come close to that because the Fortnite store, at least what you're buying there, you can buy a full skin, so you can actually have your character look like a full skin, and at least it actually has some interesting or cool looking cosmetics. Like to me, I mean. The store here, like, it's so bland. I don't even want to buy it. Like, I don't want a yellow helmet. Like, I don't want a, you know, green book bag. Like, what do I want this shit for? Like, yeah. give me give me something that looks actually interesting. Like, actually, um, the winter hat I got from one of the crates is actually a lot better than anything that's in the store. Like, it's a winter hat. It has, like, a little deer on the front. Like, it's actually a de decent-looking hat. Like, but <laughs> the stuff that's in the store, like, I don't want any of this shit. Like, I want to actually have, like, an outfit I could buy. Like, where's, like, a vest? You know, like, where's the gloves? Like, uh, why can't I actually buy stuff that looks interesting? Like, to me, like, the store is kind of a joke, and I'm not spending any of my crowns on that, because why? Like, it, it's basically a waste of the crowns. No, you, you are right. And similarly, I got a brown canvas bag from uh from a crate and that 
already looked better than the green bag in the store. So that immediately invalidated the point of me using the store as well. Uh, you, you are right. You are right. And plus, like, the weapon skins are in there. I don't know why they have weapon skins in there, because the weapon skins, they only go to one gun. So, like, for example, there's a gun in the store, uh, a skin in the store right now that goes to one of the AURs. The AUR is actually one of the guns that you can't get until, you know, much later in the game. So, basically, I'm probably not going to have that weapon for a while. So, why would I buy a skin for a weapon I'm not going to have for a long time? Well, the, I imagine the answer to that is you wouldn't, but those who do have the AUR would. Right, but I mean, like, you basically... (laughs) To answer that simply, (laughs) just... uh... Right, but you kind of get my point, though. Like, I mean, if somebody's just jumping in the game and they want to spend some money on some cool stuff, like, you're basically, you know, taking away a lot of potential funds there because basically that one skin, that only caters to a certain small subset of the community. And this community is already fairly small as it is, I would say, because this is an Xbox exclusive game, so it, it hasn't, like, you know, it's it's probably not ballooned, like, super great. I mean, I know it's a decently, you know, niche community that, you know, kind of works uh, well, but, I mean, you're alienating, like, one part of your community, like, so much that basically there's one little weapon skin, no one's gonna buy that except a couple of people, maybe, that have the AOR. And the people that have the AOR the skin didn't even look that great, so, like, they might even buy it either, so, I but mean... at the same time, there was also a skin for the Thompson up there, which is, like, the first craftable right, gun you right. get, pretty much. But I guess, like, the biggest issue for me, though, is we talked about in 0.6 cosmetics a little bit, and I had mentioned in there where uh, cosmetics used to be more readily available, and you said they had, like, so many cosmetics options before update 0.6, you could see all these different cosmetic options, all these different outfits. It was actually pretty cool. They had like a lot of different options, and it was nice. And my question is, where did all that go? Like, they already had all this stuff built. They already had all these cosmetics options. So, why is this not available? Like, if you're gonna have a store, why not take all those cosmetic options you used to have and then put them in the store? Mm. I want some of those cosmetics options back. Why can't I buy those now? No. I suppose a bit of a similar thing happened with Sea of Thieves, with some of the earlier designs for sails and ships and stuff. Those were removed when the game was actually released, um, which is strange. So I I can't, you know, who knows. But again, though, the difference there is, if you're comparing it with Sea of Thieves, Sea of Thieves actually has different cosmetic options come up all the time that you can buy. So, yes, some of the ones that were there early on aren't available, but at least they have other stuff to buy. I mean, Vigor, like, all the stuff that you used to be able to see and use, all that stuff is not there anymore. And then what they get? What do they give you instead? They give you a yellow hat. Like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Yeah, there's, there's no major cosmetics that you can get at the moment they are all just stupid little hats and gloves and bags like so pretty you go into a lobby and pretty much everyone has the same jacket unless somebody has the founders edition or has bought the uh, outlander starter pack which has a few different ones yeah which makes me feel like super lucky to have the founders edition because that seems to be like the only cosmetic that like anyone really uses that's worthwhile right there so mm. But you did mention that Outlanders edition. Um, they basically want to charge you ten bucks for ten bucks. You can get uh, five hundred crowns, and you get like four outfits. So 
that seems to be the only way out of the entire game to me right now that you can actually get some different cosmetics is if you spend 10 bucks real money and just uh, cough up $10 and get like some cosmetics. So, and I mean, to me, that's kind of crappy because if you already have crowns from like, say, Biden the Founders or something like that, that's kind of stupid. Like, why do we not have access to buy these either? Like, if we're founders, like, we paid you already. Why can't I even buy these outfits that are, like, you know, offered here? Like, you're making me spend another $10 on top of that just to buy these outfits? Mm, true, but, you know, to counter the point slightly, at the same time, it's a free game. They need to make money somehow. And if everyone could suddenly get the Founders Edition clothes, the Founders would be really annoyed. So it's just another thing where people can pay, get a little bonus supports the game and that's fair but i mean i guess uh to counter that you know <laughs> like say fortnite for example fortnite was a free game from the start well at least the battle royale part you know the um save the world part was has never been free to this day but at least the battle royale part was always free so to justify that to recoup some of the funds they offer these skins and you can buy these skins with v-bucks but bigger was not a free-to-play game. You had to pay the founder's price to get into the game besides the two-hour free trial. And they got all this money from all these founders already. And now, basically, it feels like we get gypped because we played the game. You know, we saw all these cosmetics that we had to use earlier. And now we have this money that we're supposed to be part of the founder's pack. You know, that was part of the deal of the founder's pack is you get this in-game currency that you're going to be able to use in the store. Well, okay, great. We have this currency. Now we have the store, and what, what can I buy in the store? Like, you know, I can buy a green book bag? Like, what? I mean, like, it feels like there's this huge disconnect there where you can't actually use what you were promised. Whoa, boy. That, that counter counter got real high there. <laughs> I'm counting lots of counters in there. So, yes. We can, we can agree the store has some problems with it. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could agree on that, at least. <laughs> yeah. But um, unless you have anything else, do you have anything else that's like new that you saw that uh, wasn't in the game the last time we tried it? Um, donating food. No idea yes, what's that's up a good, with that. Good point. Uh, there's there's a thing at the shelter that you can do. Uh, you can collect food from various sources, and then there's a box which you fill with food and donate it to people supposedly, and it supposedly helps them out. But I have no idea what it does. I haven't benefited from from it so far or anything. I've sent a bunch of food away, but I haven't been able to use the food otherwise, and I have no idea what I'm doing by donating it, but it's a new thing. Yeah, literally the only thing I know about it is I have a challenge currently that I have to get 50 food and donate it, but like other than maybe being part of challenges, like what else is it used for? So basically do you save all your food until the challenge comes up and that's, that's all you use it for? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's what it seems like right now. Like currently, it seems like you say you're supposed to save all your food until a challenge comes up, and then you have the food ready. Like that's what it seems like, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and one other quick thing I'd like to address before we move on: uh, they've done away with the rotation. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so you yeah, can just good call. Jump, good call. jump on maps as you please, which I know we were talking about a lot in the last podcast. So I, I really like that. They've also got the quick play now, so you can just select quick play. And it just ch chucks you into a random map. So uh, I think the matchmaking at least has been a lot better improved. Uh, it's a lot smoother. The, 
the matchmaking times are a lot quicker. Like I think the most that I waited was maybe 20 seconds. Um, so everything's a lot smoother with finding games and all the maps are there, so you can choose where you want to play if you want. No, good call on that too, because I remember in the last podcast, that's something you mentioned they, you hoped they would change, is making all the maps available to play whenever you want, and they did make that, so I, I do appreciate that. And uh, the load times are definitely increased to decrease. I mean, um, like in the last episode, I remember we mentioned that we had one time where we waited nine and a half minutes to get into the game, and we still couldn't find a game. But um, I didn't have 20 seconds as my longest time like you did. I had a little bit longer, but within like about a minute and a half, I was in a game. So a mm-hmm. minute and a half isn't bad. I'm not worried about a minute and a half. You know, that's not too bad. Like I'll just run over to my shooting range real quick, you know, pop off a few shots while I'm waiting and it's not too bad. So um, great job on that. And this, by the way, it was not with quick play. Quick play, you know, you get in pretty much within seconds. If, mm-hmm. if you want to go into a specific map, that's where I found some waiting times, depending on the map. Like, you know, maybe people didn't want to play that map as much right now, so, which I'm fine with that. I mean, if I want to play a specific map, I understand that there could be a little bit longer wait because I want to play a specific map. Yeah, but overall, the matchmaking is a lot better now. I would say uh, with solos, yes. We'll, we'll get to the rest later. But... <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about duos in a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think just a quick grand overarching statement most things we talked about from last podcast have been fixed overall it feels like a lot smoother of a game i haven't had any glitchy animations with guns flying off i think overall the game functions a lot better than how it was last time yeah i would agree with that i mean i think a lot of things have been improved and I think they've gone forward in a positive direction more in a lot of areas. There's some areas I'm still not happy about, which, um, you know, we're kind of getting, getting into our notes from the previous podcast now. And, like, uh, one of the things, for example, it, we talked about the tutorial last time, and basically uh, you were playing the game on a two-hour free trial at that point, and you talked about how the tutorial didn't really uh, tell you much. I talked about how the tutorial kind of was better than it was before because I knew what uh, how bad it was previously, and I said, wow, it's a little bit better. Now the tutorial is completely revamped again, and I think it's a great tutorial now. Like, it actually shows you pretty much everything that goes on in the game, and um, I think the tutorial is a well-done tutorial now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had a bit of story as well, which I don't remember getting last time, but you get a nice little bit of story at the start, which I know I said I wanted in the last podcast. Um, I also found that if you've already done the tutorial before it's really easy to just run through it so if you're new uh it's great for helping set you up if you're new um as well as if you're coming back to the game and you're just quickly you quickly running through the tutorial again you can quickly get through it it's not a problem so i I think the tutorial has found a nice balance as to where it is yeah i agree i mean i think it definitely teaches you things pretty well and beyond the tutorial once you get back to your like uh, home base lodge, everything in that lodge, the first time you open it, it actually gives you a little bit of description about what it is, you know, a little bit about it, and I think that's great. So I think they do a great job about teaching you about the game now, because say you open like your uh, base building screen, they'll teach you a little bit about that before you actually get into it. Mm. Yeah, no, the, the just generally starting up the starting the game for the first time, getting in, playing it initially, it. it's good now. It's good. Agreed. But another thing we spoke about is I talked about how what I thought was a bug at the time 
was this exit rock. There's all these little uh, rocks that have an orange marker on it at the end of every exit. And these rocks, before update 0 0.6, you used to be able to go to this rock and hold X and then instantly exit the game instead of waiting the 10 seconds. I thought this was a bug that was happening in 0 0.6. Apparently, it's not a bug because it's still in the game like this. So uh, apparently, it was intentional to remove that option to instantly exit the match. And to me, I think this is uh, a very bad idea, and I don't like this at all. Because to me, when you had that instant exit option, if you are being chased by someone or something, it should be your right to actually escape the game and, you know, get out of there. Because if you outran somebody, if you outsmarted them, you shouldn't have to wait 10 seconds to just sit around with your thumb up your ass and, like, you know, just do nothing. I mean, you should be able to actually exit the game because you outsmarted them. You uh, went a different way. You went around a corner. Whatever you did, you should be able to exit the game by using those rocks the way it was originally uh, done. Like, you shouldn't have to worry about, oh, I have to wait 10 seconds here. Well, you know, what if you came into the game on purpose with just a knife? Like, well, you know, that's a strategy. I mean, sometimes I do that. You know, sometimes I jump in a game with just a knife. I've seen other people do it, too. You know, and this next guy, like, you know, maybe he's chasing with a machine gun. Well, how do you really think you're going to do if the guy is chasing with a machine gun? You have a knife. Your only option is to run and try to, you know, get out of there fast. If you have to sit there at the end of the exit like a sitting duck for 10 seconds while this guy has a machine gun, what do you think is going to happen? He's going to kill you, and you lose everything. So, to me, that's just a really dumb option, and I think it kind of ruins the game a little bit. Uh, well, I they they've never been a thing. Also, I've played so. I've right, you had never you never experienced the other way. So yeah. Um, I I don't really mind because the game, in many aspects, plays into it. It's a very ruthless game. It's very unforgiving. Um, which I think this instant escape lessens that a bit. And on top of that, most most of the exits are pretty big. Like you, you can run through them for a while. Um, and within those 10 seconds, you're going to be safe generally anyway. It's going to be five seconds. You know, you've got a solid five seconds running in there of cover. So you may, you know, it's maybe at most five seconds you'll be sitting in there hiding. And that time also has to include the other person running in, running up to find where you are. For example, I was chasing a guy who had got a drop in a solo game, and he I'd got a, a really good shot on him with an M21. He ran into the exit. I immediately ran in after him, but because of the way the exit was structured, with there was a corner, and by the time that I had actually got around that corner, the 10 seconds had passed. He'd, already gone so i think with the sizes of the exits uh it's not actually that bad i would agree with you with some exits i know the kind of exits you're talking about but there are some exits in the game like for example um i'm thinking of like fist factory for example where there's exits by docks and the exit is basically you uh go to a dock and you just kind of there's nowhere else to go so there's exits like that that are wide in wide open space and those are the type of exits that I'm talking about where, like, it, it kind of punishes you for actually, you know, getting the jump on somebody and outsmarting them. So there are exits, like you said, where you can just, you know, keep running and you'll be fine. But there's also exits like in Fist Factory where you're basically a sitting duck and you have nothing you can do about it. So, like, if you don't have a weapon that is going to defend yourself, then you basically just lose. And, and that's why those are sort of more dangerous exits. You might tend to try and use different exits. Um but it's just the game being ruthless in every aspect it can. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I, I would say then if that's the way they wanted to make it, then don't ever include the way that it used to be because basically players like myself that got used to the way it used to be, you know, um, there's probably other people out there besides myself that enjoy the way it used to be and we got used to that and now they completely changed it. So, I mean, if they wanted it that way, then they probably should have uh, went for a more ruthless stance from the start. So would you not agree that if they made a mistake and added something that lessened that a bit, they should remove it and not add it back? I, I just don't think it was a mistake, though. But, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, you could think it was a mistake. So, you know, I guess it's a different spinning at this point. So. I don't know. But moving on, there's another thing that I thought was a bug at the time in our last episode. In Grontheim Valley, there's four exits that are kind of at the edges of the map. But there's also one exit in the middle of the map that is uh, you have to go up a couple ladders to get to. And basically, you climb these ladders, and then to exit, there's a bridge, but part of the bridge is missing. And there's a gap there, and the exit's on the other side of the gap. So the only way to get to the exit is you have to jump the gap. I thought it was a bug that... You couldn't actually uh, jump the gap because you fall to your death. And I remember in the episode, you mentioned that you didn't fall to your death, but you fell and you almost got badly. Died, yeah. yeah, you almost died and you had to run for a different exit. Apparently, I actually watched somebody on YouTube. And if you uh, start at the very edge of the board and you like do, a, you know, you sprint the entire time, you can actually make that jump. So I guess we just didn't uh, run up to it fast enough, far enough because you had to like start your run earlier. But you can actually make that jump, so I guess it's meant to be a dangerous exit, and that's probably why it's in the middle of the map, so it's meant to be a more dangerous exit if you want to try it. So I do kind of like that concept now that I uh, know what it is, because this exit never used to exist in Grontheim. It's a new exit that came into the game afterwards, but I kind of like the concept of it, because you could either go to the exits that are way away from everything, because most of the time the airdrop the barred house, all that's usually in the center of the map. So most of the time you have to go to an exit that is either way away from you on the edge of the map, or if you want a chance, you can go for the middle exit and you know risk probably falling to your death. So I kind of like that option now. Now that I know it's not a bug and it's meant to be that way, I actually uh, do enjoy that option. Yeah, turns out we're just bad. Yeah, we're just bad at it. So, <laughs> but yeah, because I actually came up against that again. Um, I forgot that exit existed and. After I came back to the game uh, recently, I came up to the exit, I went up the ladders, I'm like, oh yeah, there's that gap there. So I just went down the ladders, and then I went to different exits. I'm like, well, I'm going to follow my death here, because I figured, okay, well, last time I fell to my death, so I'm going to follow my death again. So I went to a different exit. But then I looked up my news, I'm like, well, maybe you can actually make that jump? Like, There's got to be a way to do that, they wouldn't leave it in here all this time if there wasn't a way to do it. So I looked it up, and sure enough, you actually can do it. Yeah. But um, we did already talk about the cosmetic store in detail, so we can kind of uh, you know skip over that fairly uh, quickly, I think. But you know that is something that we talked about in the last podcast, and we talked about how uh, cosmetic options were more readily available for zero point six, and we talked about um, how I thought like you could have some you know in loot containers in the world. I still think that'd be a much cooler idea. But um, at least they have the option to have some of the crates now. But there's so few and far between the crates that you really don't get a lot of options. And if you want to build like a nice outfit for your character, then pretty much it's either you spend $9.99 for the four outfits they have in that coin pack. 
or you're kind of shit out of luck for a while because, I mean, there's really not a lot of options to get outfits right now. So I, I think that they really need to rework how they have cosmetics uh, work in this game. Yeah, well, we, we've, we've spoken plenty on that so far. Agreed. But I would say that one thing we spoke about is looting having issues last time, and I would say the looting is vastly improved now. Looting is a lot better. Uh, we talked about how you know you go up to a container and sometimes it wouldn't work properly. I really had almost no issues at all this time. I did have a couple of small issues. Um, that I would say that I was crouching and I couldn't loot a container crouching, but if I stood up, then I could loot it. So that's the only thing I would say is sometimes if you're crouching, it doesn't always work, but... Um, Maybe it's something to do with the camera angles there, but I would say is if I was standing up, I never had a single issue standing up looting the camera. Yeah, no, I, the the looting, it, it's so much better. It again, it's one of those things that we mentioned last time, but it's been fixed. I think for the vast majority, as I mentioned, pretty much every single thing that we complained about has been fixed. Agreed. And one of those things was shooting as well. I think the shooting is a lot better now. The guns feel like they have, you know, the proper amount of recoil and kick to them, which I think is really cool. It makes it, you know, definitely hard to shoot sometimes, but it should be hard to shoot sometimes. So um, I definitely like how much, you know, recoil some of the weapons have, and it kind of makes it hard to uh, get some shots out sometimes. But, you know, it, it fits with the feel of the game, I think, and I like the shooting now. Yeah. We did also speak about a lot of lag. I don't notice any lag anymore. Do you notice any lag anymore? Um, uh, no, I, I don't think I did have any lag. Um, I know between us we had a few crashes, we'll talk a bit more about them later, but around the shel shelter a couple of times interacting thing with things, I'd crash occasionally. I didn't have any crashes actually in a round, so I never lost any loot because of it. Uh, I never had any problems in a game, but just in the shelter, a couple of annoyances where I just have to restart my game. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, I didn't have a lot of issues with that. I had the same crash as you spoke of, but um, the crashes were in uh, conjunction with something else we're going to talk about in a little bit. But uh, other than those crashes, I had really no like, lag or data issues. No, no. Uh, otherwise, it was fine. We did speak about crafting last time and how that changed. Um... I will say I was pretty negative on it in the episode 45 podcast we did. I will say I've come around to it more now. I don't love it, but I don't hate it anymore. I think I'm just kind of neutral with the way the crafting is, and I think it's something I could get used to. Um, It feels like it fits a little bit better now. It feels like it's uh, more intuitive. Basically, you can you know get your crafting table to a certain point, get a crafting plan, and uh, make a weapon that way. Or you can actually find, like, you know, say, uh, four parts of a certain weapon, and you can instantly get a weapon out of that. So, Or you can get weapons by uh, getting the drop crate. So it feels like there's more ways to get the weapons now, and I do think that whole crafting system does uh, work more than I originally thought it would have. Mm. Uh, I really like how the ammo works as well now. Um, I, I don't exactly remember how it worked last time, but now, as long as you have the blueprint for a weapon... Uh, or I think even just, uh, I think I think it is own the blueprint for for a weapon. Then you yeah, the blueprint craft, for any weapon that has that ammo. Yeah, you can craft that ammo. So if you have any uh, weapon that uses .45 ACP, for example, uh, you can craft .45 ACP. And the rounds are generally quite cheap, so ammo is a lot less of a concern now. Uh, at least I didn't really mention it last time, but 
ammo felt very precious last time we talked about it. Um, and it felt like, oh, do I am I taking too much? Uh, this is this is a lot of ammo. I won't need this if if I lose all this ammo, I won't have enough for next round, sort of thing. Uh, but now it's a lot easier to access. It's cheap to craft, so I, th- I think the ammo system works really well as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, most of the weapons I can uh, build ammo for now. It's only like there's a couple of weapons, like for example, that one special issue weapon. I think it's like a ADR or something like that. But mm. like for example, that weapon that that weapon only takes one kind of ammo, and it's the only weapon that takes that kind of ammo. So for example, because I don't have a crafting plan for that yet, I can't craft that ammo yet. But so there's a couple of ammo's I can't craft, but um. For the most part, I can craft most of the MRs. Yeah. But we did talk uh, a lot about base building last time, and I will say this is still something I'm not very happy with. Um, I did go back and I did uh, check some of my previous YouTube videos because when I first tried the game, when I did my two-hour free trial way back before 0.6 was even a thing, this is like before update 0.3 even. Like This is very, very early on in the game. I did my two-hour free trial. I also had um, two other videos up on YouTube that you can check out if you want. But I went back and looked at these videos to kind of get a sense of what the base screen used to look like. And uh, I will have to eat my words a tiny bit and say that I thought there was more um, options than there was early on. Like uh, I mentioned in episode 45 that, you know, when you get to uh, base level 2, you had a couple of different options to choose from. Base level 3 had even more options to choose from. There were still more options overall, but the options uh, came usually a little bit later down the tree. But I will say that I think it worked a little bit better before 0.6, and I think that you at least had a couple of options involved in there, and it made you feel like you had more of a choice. Um, I still think post 0.6, there's not much choice involved. Like, for example, right now, my base is a level 3. I had the option of building a better wood log, a better crafting table, or a um, water distillery. That's the only options I have, and it basically feels like, you know, oh, you can build a better crafting table. Build a better crafting table again. Build a better again. Like, it feels kind of stupid to just keep going up and up with the same thing. And, like, there's uh, boxes of herbs later on. You can build a box of herbs level 1, box of herbs level 2. Like, it, it feels like there's not a lot of thought and... Um, difference put into this system and i would also say that there doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh thought or variance put into what these actually give you too because some of these give you like three percent bonus on crafting time three percent bonus on build time you know this this item gives you the ability to build two things at once like a lot of this stuff that it gives you I would say I don't even care about. Like, it feels like it doesn't matter at all. Like, there's a couple things, like, you know, the one that gives you uh, some crowns and stuff, that's not bad. You know, the wood log giving you some uh, materials, that's not bad. The uh, crafting table giving you other weapons to build, that's pretty good, too. You know, so there are some that give you some decent things, but most of the items in that tree, like, I looked at the whole, like, uh, scope of everything you can build later on. Most of it feels like it has zero purpose to it, and it feels like there's no point at all in building it. And uh, on top of that, the base building itself, it feels like there's no point to it. I mean, basically, when you get to base level 3, you put some tarps on the walls. When you get to the next level, you put some tarps on the windows and doors or whatever the hell. And then when you get to the next level, it, uh, it, they build you know a better roof. Like, it has like an actual wooden roof or something like that. 
And then the next level, you build, you know, wooden doors or you build wooden walls. Like, so it, it feels like there's really not a lot of base options involved there either because the next level is always the same as what you did previously, just changing the aesthetic of it. So like, for example, putting tarps on the roof, uh, level two or something will be, uh, instead, uh, level six, it'll be like, you know, putting a wooden roof down. So it feels like it's not really much different there. And I want something more like, you know, oh, we built, you know, a wood swing on the porch or like there's something that has like a little bit more feel to it instead of just like, okay, you, know, you put your tarp on the wall. Now you have to do all this work, put a tarp on the roof. Now you have to do all this work. Okay. Now you have a wooden door. Now you have to do all this work. You have a wooden wall. Like that feels like it has really no incentive to do it. And on top of that, I mean, the whole loop of this game feels like it's a broken loop because you're going into these encounters, getting all these supplies to come back and build your base. What are you building your base for anyways? I mean, basically, you're just putting a tarp on a wall. What's the point of building your base? Like, it seems like the only point that the game loop really provides you is to build a better stockpile of weapons. But say, you know, there's some player that's played this a lot. Say they've played in for hours and hours on end, and they have, like, 20 of each weapon, what's their incentive to keep playing? I mean, if you already have a huge stockpile of weapons, like, that seems to be the only really incentive to play the game right now. So what I would suggest is to solve the cosmetic issue by rolling some of the cosmetics into the base building. Maybe, you know, at base level 3, you get a whole new outfit. At base level 4, you get a whole new outfit and uh, some new gun cosmetics. Like, that would be a really interesting way to solve this game loop issue for me Kind of like a battle pass almost with uh, some of the, you know, battle royale games, because then it would at least give you a reason to actually build up this base, because yes, it's kind of fun to build up your base at first, but for me, I can see where it's going to get tiring very fast, because there's really no reason to continue doing this, because why? I mean, basically all that's going to happen is I'm going to throw a tarp on the wall and be done with it. Uh, I would somewhat, I would, I would disagree with you <laughs> again. Um... <laughs> Oh boy, the, the, this counter counter, it's, it's, it's <laughs> counting a lot. Um, yes. There's also the base customization opso, uh, options, which are coming at some point. I don't know if you saw that. But that's but, not available yet, so I, I can only go with what's available right now. That, that's not currently available, but in the same way how outfits aren't really currently available, they'll hopefully be coming. Um, so you will be able to customize your base, which I think that's what, that's what it's saying. So, for example, if you want to swing, you'll be able to earn that. Um, and lots of the upgrades, uh, the, the base level, I think, doesn't really matter. It's not as much about the base level, because yes, it is just putting on um, the tarpaul on the wall, reboarding the walls, making your base look a bit prettier. Um, but, obviously, each level unlocks more of these options that you can upgrade your base with. And... Obviously, at the early levels, it's not going to be generating much. You're not going to get much with it. Um, but once you're to the later levels, when you have, you know, and you've got all of these, you can upgrade it so much that, you know, even just logging off for the night, coming back on the next day, you'll get tons of resources, so many crowns that you can use to make your base look prettier, buy more customization options. So at the start, you know, it's a bit slower, uh, but that keeps it simple for new players. I I, I mentioned that I like that sort of idea in the last one. Um, but yeah, so each time you level up the base, you get more options. 
and you don't have to progress the base level by leveling up your most recent option. So the first first level you have your one option, second level you unlock another option. So to level up again you have technically two options you could use to unlock the next level. You get the third level and you get one more option, so technically you have three options to get the next level. Level four you get two more options, so technically you have five options to level up. And then you get to levels where you're unlocking maybe three options in one level. And to counter that counter, <laughs> keep our counter going. I want this counter counter. <laughs> yes. Um, I would say, you know, you speak about having more options as you go up the levels, but do you really have more options? Because the things you can do, the things you can build, Basically, it just feels like a time sink to me because the things you can build, like, oh, you get 3% faster building time. Do you really need 3% faster building time? Was that like, what, 10 seconds faster? And, you know, my, uh, you know, crafting table built 10 seconds faster? Like, do I care? No. I mean, like, it gives you like such low percentages that it really feels like it doesn't even matter. Like, they need to have better percentages where it actually would matter, maybe, or, um, you know, you get like 3%, you know, better crafting materials or like, I forget what some of them actually say, but I wasn't impressed by really any of them. I mean, the only ones that really impressed me were, um, one of them gives you the crowns, you know, the crafting table is a good idea because it gives you access to other weapons. Uh, the wood log gives you materials. So I like those. Uh, and there's like one later on, uh, in the game that felt like it was kind of interesting. I think it was like a wind turbine that was like yeah. way at the very last level that I forget exactly what it did, but it was a cool effect. But like, for example, they have like these wrap boxes later on and the wrap boxes give you like, you know, three food a day. Like, uh, okay. So I have three food that I can just go and throw in a bucket to donate to somebody. Like why? Like, why am I wasting my time with this? It feels like a time sink because you have to remember to get to all this stuff. You have to go into several encounters get like, you know, a wire, get fertilizer, get, you know, metal parts, get all this stuff just to come back, bring it to your base, and then build something that gives you, oh, 3% faster construction time. Like, there's no point in it. It feels like it's such a broken loop to me. Yeah, well, I'm not sure what this game is other than a time sink, but <laughs> um, uh, just because I'm running out of fingers on the counter counter. <laughs> Uh, you know, initially they are pretty pointless, you know, 3% here and there, that doesn't matter. It's just when you get, like, four or five things giving you 15% that it adds up, but obviously, what for? The food currently has no purpose, and a lot of them benefit your food, so why are you doing it? Because there's no point in the food. And hopefully it's one of those things that will be coming, along with the customization options for the house, and hopefully more customization options for your character, we don't know at the moment, but hopefully. We but will. like to get four or five things at ten percent or fifteen percent, do you realize how much stuff you're gonna have to do just to get that? Like <laughs> too much. Even just even just getting to nine percent, because I think it goes three percent, six percent, nine percent. I think is how it goes. Even just getting to nine percent, that's level three of some object. You're gonna have to have hundreds of something to get that. And basically, by the time you get to like you know where the levels are, like oh, I have ten percent bonus on all this stuff. You're probably going to put like, you know, 300 or 400 hours into the game. And that's not something I really want to do just to have like, oh, I, I have money. Guess what? I have 15 food today. Yes, 15 food. Like, <laughs> I don't want to put 400 hours into the game to get 15 food. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. No, the, the food is very, uh, who knows? And lots of it is aimed towards the food. So hopefully that'll make more sense in the future.
Yeah, like, I mean, if they have building customization come, you know, is very interesting, you know, not just like, oh, you can paint your uh, roof red. You can uh, have your wall be a green wall. Like, if they actually have, like, real customization that, like, you know, makes it feel unique and, like, uh, unique to you instead of, like, oh, I have a red roof, guys. What, what color is your roof? Oh, mine's brown. Like, that wouldn't be customization that make it worth it for me. If they have customization that makes it worth it, like, uh, say the founder's outfit or, like, the outfits they used to have in the game before 0.6 that actually had some variety and, and felt unique. If they have customization options like that come into the game, that's the only way to me they're going to break this loop and make this loop worthwhile because this type of game, it's a game that is, I would agree with you, is supposed to be somewhat of a time sink. Like, that's part of the purpose of the game, but... The games that are a time sink like that, like, say, Fortnite, like, you know, um, these Battle Royale games, like, they kind of counteract that time sink by having customization options so you can kind of show off to people, like, hey, look, you know, this is my base. Like, you show off your stream, like, this is my base. Look at the cool stuff I did. I built a swing here. I, I have this, you know, swimming pool over here. Like, I don't expect a swimming pool, but it's an example. But, like, you know, I have this here. Look at this outfit I have, guys. You know, see, you can see me in the world here. I got this outfit. Like, that's the kind of stuff that people, it keeps people coming back to play in the game. And right now, that stuff isn't in the game, so... They need to fix those options and make more cosmetic options come into the game, and that would make the game more viable, in my opinion. Cool idea for a house customization. A new house. Like, if you could get a customization that's just a completely new house with a new layout, that'd be pretty cool. That would be really interesting, yeah. Or, like, even, like, change your bedroom around. Like, if they had, like, different things in different rooms, that'd be cool. Like, you know, say you could have, like, you know, um, a Victorian-style bed, or, like, you could have, you know... Oh, I have this uh, new TV in my room. I have like a flat screen TV in the next room. Like, if they had different options where you could like customize each room, even like you know, maybe not the outside of the base, but if you could at least customize the inside, that'd be kind of cool too. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of options they have they could do to this game. There's a lot of things that like this game has potential still, and it always had potential, I think. And I just think they need to do a better job of realizing that potential by having better customizations in there. Now we we've got one key final thing to address we do and uh <laughs> which, which is the duos yes um, do, you, do you want to give this a rundown yeah so um basically the duos you can uh either randomly pair up with somebody and just you know jump into the game randomly someone you can play solo of course or you could uh, link up with a friend or rather uh you, you can't link up with a friend <laughs> <laughs> In our experience, no, we sat there and tried to get this to work for a solid two hours straight. This was two hours sitting there. We played one duos game on our own with random people just to see if that would help fix it. It didn't. We sat there for two hours trying to get this to work, just to get in a game with each other. One game. And it did not work. And we found one maybe fix for it online, but that was only a maybe fix and that didn't work. So we could not play at all with each other. Yeah, basically what kept happening is you go to join a team together. We got to where we could join a team together. So we were in our team together. We were uh, both inside the house. And then you go to somewhere in the map and you go to, you know, okay, I want to go to uh, Grantine Valley. I want to go to, uh, you know, Divert Forest, wherever you want to go to. You go to that map and you try to go in there. And it's like, oh, sorry, uh, we can't actually put you in the map right now because... Uh, your teammate is not inside the house. 
and we're both like, uh, well, I'm definitely inside the house. And Monty's like, well, I'm inside the house too. Like, so, so basically we tried this whole option where you had to like leave the team. You had to quit the game, uh, load the game back up at the same time. And then once the game was loaded back up, you both had to quickly run inside the house, then link up in a team again, and then go back into the map and still nothing. Maybe we were doing it wrong, but the, the duos was not working at all for us. Um, which was a shame, a real shame, because I feel like duos could really help this. Like I feel like playing this game with someone could be really fun, because we keep talking about uh, how you can do these things with a partner, and you know, just jumping in a game with one of your friends. The the games can be quite short, so I feel like that could be really fun. A really good energy could be brought to the game, but it didn't work. For, yeah, for us, these, these games can like you know be like a ten minute game sometimes, and that could be really fun to jump in your friend. Like say you and your friend have a half hour, you could knock out like three games together, jump in together to have some fun. You know, uh, maybe one game you get to loot crate. You know, maybe one game you both die. Like maybe the next game you, know, you get the barred house and like uh, kill some people. Like you could have a lot of entertainment within you know a short amount of time if you could just jump in with your friend. And I think that would be uh, a much better experience because if you're jumping with a random person, like. I mean, it's still a different experience, I guess, but you always have to worry with that random person. Like, are they going to turn their back on me at any second and kill me? Like, it, so basically, it ends up being like uh, another enemy that is partially your ally, partially not your ally. So the duos was it caused so many crashes. I knew you crashed multiple times. I had to come. Yeah, I, I froze constantly during the like trying to link up with you, and like it was a huge, huge mess. Yeah. So, no go on the duos. Um, I would say, and linking with the random two, I didn't really find that that fun. Did you find that that fun with random players? It, it was funny watching these two people trying to search for my partner just run around him in a bush. They constantly looked at him, but did not see him at all. I, I found that really funny. But beyond two people being stupid, it, it wasn't particularly special as much. Yeah, I didn't find it that fun either. I mean, I had the cool experience where, you know, we got into a gunfight together with uh, this other team, but, like, I mean, honestly, I would rather play solos, and, you know, we already talked in length about, like, some of the issues I have with solos right now, so, I mean, to me, uh, this duo was definitely has to get fixed, because, say I could play with you, like, we actually, um, you know, we tried to do this yesterday, and we were trying to, you know, have a couple hours to play together, and... Basically, that couple hours got spent trying to link up, and that's it. So, like, we basically wasted our time, and I'm not about wasting time. So, duos was, yeah, duos was duos. But, Derek, you are, you're, you're teasing me at the moment. I, I need to know. Scores. Scores on the doors. You haven't given a game a score before. Vigor, it's come a long way. I, I need to know. Scores. The grand score. Yeah, so we are going to actually score this game because we've done three podcasts on it already. You know, um, I've been there pretty much since the start of the game, like not, you know, constantly, but I've been there throughout the like different updates and checked them out. And I know, you know, what this game used to be, what it is now. Um, I can see the potential in the game and stuff, and we are going to give it a score out of 10. So you can give like, you know, um, a decimal point in there too, so you can do like, you know, a 7.5, or you can do like an 8.5, like you can give different decimal points if you want to. It doesn't have to be a whole number. 
but Monty and I will both give a score here. So do you want me to go first, Monty, or you? You, you can go first. I've, I've got my scores in my mind, so I, I know what I'm going to rate it. All right. So for me, um, this game has potential. It has great bones in it. It has a lot of cool aspects. I like a lot about this game. One of the things I like most that we didn't talk about today and we talked about previously is the visuals of the game. The visuals are amazing, and mm. when you're in the world, it really, really feels awesome. And I, I love the visuals of this game. Like The visuals are some of the best I've ever seen in the game, and I love being in the world. So that is a plus. Some of the negatives we talked about, you know, we talked about um, how I don't like the base building. It feels like it has no purpose to it. Um, the cosmetic issue is a huge issue for me because... You know, I can't, like, uh, dress up my character a certain way or anything like that, which I don't always need in a game. If a game has uh, game player mechanics to counteract that, I don't always need it. Like, for example, State of Decay, for example. I love State of Decay. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And I can't customize my character in that. I don't need it, though, because there's enough uh, gameplay involved. And the gameplay loop is different enough that I can actually jump in and do different things. But with Vigor, the gameplay loop you need the customization because the gameplay loop itself is such a boring loop and you really need the customization options to break that loop. A game like State of Decay, a game like, um, I guess I don't have another example right now because Borderlands you can actually customize as well, but State of Decay, for example, you don't have the customization options, but you have enough gameplay variants that you can actually have fun still. With Vigor, the gameplay variance isn't that much, so you need the customization options to kind of vary that loop. And right now, they don't exist. Right now, the store is barren. Right now, the options for your base are pretty barren. No options exist. So they have improved the looting. They have improved the shooting. I do give them the credit for that. I give them credit for different things like the comm station, the signal booster, the barred house. Those make the encounters feel a little bit more varied, a little bit more difference there. I do appreciate those. I appreciate the daily challenges. That's a really cool feature, and it gives you some uh, more reasons to play there. So I appreciate a lot of those things, and I think the tutorial does a great job of teaching new players about the game. But for me, ultimately, the game does not hold your interest long enough. It's a great game to jump into for a few hours, you know, jump in a couple hours, play it. But long term, this game does not hold your interest enough until they at least change up those cosmetic options and give you more to do with them because you're going to need more of that to make that gameplay loop more justified. So ultimately, my score out of 10 is a 6.5. Interesting. I think before the duos, I would have happily given it a high 7, maybe an 8. Because, as mentioned, the visuals are amazing, ambience amazing. They've addressed so many of the issues that there were with the game really well. The the game's in a, in a good place. It needs to get better. It can get better, and the options are there for it. But it, it it's done a lot. But then the duos come in, and that really the duos was so frustrating. Um, it was. Uh, so I think I'd give it a, a 6.7 because it, it's good the systems are good it's got some good foundations it just needs to work on what it has that's fair we were actually pretty close then I, I was mm -hmm. I was kind of expecting you to rate a lot higher than I was because um, you were trying to counter a lot of my points and I, I figured you rated a lot higher but you actually rated pretty close to what I did it, it, the duos were so annoying like <laughs> We, did you think I was going to rate it uh, a lot lower than I did, or? Yeah, I was expect. I I can see you rating it around a six, 
but I think you rated it higher than I was expecting. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, I think for me, like, all the negatives I talked about, the reason why I was so passionate about these negatives is because I want to love this game. Like, this game mm-hmm. has the right, like, you know, bones to it. It has the right, like, um, outline and foundation to it that it could be such a great game. Like, I could see this game being, like, a solid eight, a solid eight and a half if they make, like, the foundation, if they expand upon that more. But I'm just so frustrated that, like, they have this great foundation and they kind of, you know, just let everything else collapse around it. So, to me, like, it's so frustrating that I have to talk about all these issues because I see what this game really could be. So, that's why, to me, it's a 6.5 still because it has such a great foundation and it could be something great, but uh, it's not where it needs to be to be, like, an 8 or anything. Yeah. Do you think it has uh, potential to be like eight and eight and a half? Like, where do you see like the say they did everything that we wanted in the game? Where what do you see this game uh, could be? If they did every single problem that we've addressed, sorted that out, uh, yeah, it, it easily. Well, I say easily. You know, high eight, maybe touching the nines if they got everything smooth, the gameplay smooth, the progression and the reasons the cosmetics smooth. I mean, lesser games have got higher ratings. I don't see why it can. I think there's definitely a, a lot of potential in the game. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, if they fix some of the things I talked about here, I mean, I'd be happy to, you know, give the game like an 8 or so. I mean, I could probably see uh, doing a little bit higher. I don't think I'd ever go higher than an 8.5 because I think the gameplay loop in this game has some inherent problems that I can't really justify going more than 8.5 ever because games that go higher than eight and a half for me, like they have replayability in different areas. And like, um, you know, games that I consider like a nine or 10, like they have, you know, hours and hours replayability of different areas, different aspects of the game. There's different things to explore. Like this game is kind of, you know, one dimensional in some way. So I don't think I could justify ever going higher than eight and a half, but um, with the issues they have, it has to stick at a six and a half for me. Yeah. Well, as I said, 6.7, but it, it's really got potential in there. So our official uh, average then is a 6.6. So Yeah, 6.6. Yeah, hopefully we don't get an extra 6 on there and the game goes to chat. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get really technical, we could go to two decimal places on our reviews to make that. <laughs> we could actually, yes. <laughs> but I think overall, the solos at least, we enjoyed our time. We've enjoyed our time playing bigger. Agreed. And uh, I guess I'll ask you then, you know, is this a game that you are going to go back to uh, anytime soon in the future, or is it a game that you're going to kind of, you know, let drop back into your queue and play the other stuff? Um, it's likely to drop back in the queue, just because I'm not playing many games at the moment. Um, but that might change. It's one of those games that I could easily see myself jumping on with a friend every now and then. Um, a bit like Sea of Thieves, how it's every now and then come back, play some more, leave it, come back. Well, right now you more. can't jump with a friend, though, unfortunately. But. Well, yeah, so that's why it's going back in the queue for a bit. And then once that's fixed, yeah. I'll happily jump in, play with a friend. Maybe me and Derek can get some vigor in. That would be fun. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think... Yeah, I think for me, like the same kind of thing, it's going to go back in the queue for me... Um, they have a lot to fix for me to want to play this more because I'm pretty busy. Um, you know, I podcast, I stream, and I have a lot of uh, responsibilities to uphold with that. Like, 
you know, Borderlands 3 and State of Decay 2 are kind of my main games. Uh, Dead by Daylight's another game I kind of go back to sometimes now. I might go keep going back to the game more often now. Um, I don't really have a lot of time in my hands to, you know, explore games that aren't going to be, uh, having a lot of value for me. And the value for this game, um, kind of has diminished for me. So, uh, it has to up its value a little bit for me to kind of come back to it more often. But um, I will say that what this game does have going for it is you can jump into a game and get a game done really quickly. Set you can even you can get a game of Vigor done faster than a game of Fortnite, for example. So I think that is a strong point for it because you can jump into a game and you know exit within like ten minutes. So I think that is a strong point for it because if you have a short amount of time on your hands, this actually is a game that you could jump in and have a little bit of fun and then get out of it. I think I've had two minute games where I've still got a decent loot, spawned in, found a small vault, gotten all of that loot, and just exited. So the games can be so quick. Um, yeah, it doesn't exactly. have to take up a lot of time. But I think another problem it has at the moment is there is a lot of competition out there at the moment. With Borderlands 3 coming out, uh, Cyberpunk yeah, coming there soon, is. there's... Uh, you know, just a minute, just to mention a few, uh, the other Watch Dogs coming out. Uh, so many games are coming out at the moment. Gears There's 5 just came out too. Yeah, uh, Gears 5. Um, the, yeah, the, there's the new Elder Scrolls on the horizon as well. I can't wait for that one. Uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of games coming out soon at the moment. There's There's lots of big titles out there. So it's got a lot of competition, which is rough for it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, hopefully uh, Vigor can, you know, hang in there. I mean, I do appreciate that it's Xbox exclusive, which a lot of games aren't anymore. So I appreciate that. But, I mean, just because it's Xbox exclusive doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, uh, sing its praises if it doesn't deserve it. And I've, you know, said what it does deserve, and I said what I don't think it deserves. So yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons to this game, and I think we went through them uh, pretty well. Yeah. But, um, you know, that being said, uh, a couple of our news items we'll go over again real quick. Our next podcast is likely going to be next Saturday, a Borderlands 3 launch special. Our next stream is going to be Sunday, 12 before Eastern, streaming Dead by Daylight. We're going to do the Stranger Things chapter update. We're also going to do that Monday and Tuesday, 12 before Eastern. On Monday night, we're going to do 8 to midnight Eastern. Is going to be State of Decay 2 or Borderlands 3. Probably more likely State of Decay 2 just because my usual partner with uh, Borderlands, I kind of want to finish the game with him since I did most of the game with him. So um, I don't think he's going to be available that night. So we'll probably do Borderlands 3 a different time. But um, that's all going to be on Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience if you want to check out the streams. So that's Mixer.com, M-I-X-E-R.com slash B-L-A-I-S-E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And... Uh, before we get off here, Bonnie, you know, you have anything, uh, last words to say about Vigor, or we think we kind of covered it all? Um, I think we've picked it apart a lot. It's one of those games that it's, um, it's free, you know, p- maybe try it yourself. It, we, we might not be completely right with everything, uh, so check it out yourself if you want. Um, it, it is worth downloading and playing it, playing a couple of games at least because it doesn't cost you anything. It's a free game. Exactly. So I checked out at least, I suppose. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, it being free and stuff, you know, I, I think it's at least worth checking out one time and, you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot of long-term enjoyment out of it, but I think, you know, it's going to definitely give you like a day of fun for sure. Yeah. But that being said, um, if you want to 
find the podcast, you're already listening to it. But some other ways you might not know about, it's on YouTube, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, of course, Radio Public, Podbean, many of the directories. Just check out any of those directories if you want to find it. If you literally just Google or uh, type into a search bar, The Blaze Experience, you will find it somewhere. And if you don't like podcast apps, I have you covered. If you just join my Discord, then in my Discord, there's a channel that's called Direct Download Links. It has a link to every episode I've ever done, so you can just download the episodes directly to your phone or whatever device you're using. Uh, Mani, if people want to find you, how can they find you? You can always find me in the Discord. Um, I'm in there. I'm a mod. I'm never. I'm, I'm really inactive. But if you at me, I'll see the at, and I can contact you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MontyD14, I'm pretty sure. That is, what yep. it is. Um, yeah, the, those are the main ways you can find me on Xbox. Death, Epic Duck, D-E-H, space, Epic, space, Duck. Um, I think those are the key ways. If I'm wrong with my handle on Twitter, you can also find me liking some of the posts from the podcast. I believe that is the right handle, though. I remember tagging before and stuff, so. I'll trust you. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. You can do so via Twitter or my Xbox Live Gamer tag, which are the same. That's going to be at Blaze Experience. That's capital B, L A I S E, capital X, capital P, E R I E N C E. You can find us, of course, on Facebook and YouTube. I don't uh, use those as often, so. Bear with me on responses to those, because I do respond a lot slower on those than I do other uh, areas. You can also get a hold of me on Discord. I'm on Discord uh, pretty much every day, so uh, just get a hold of me on there. My Discord link will be in the show notes. And if you want to, you can uh, also join our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a Patreon member and get some exclusive rewards, such as access to a special uh, patron-only channel on Discord, for example. And um, there's some other words in there, so just check that out. That's going to be patreon.com slash blazeexperience. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blazeexperience, spelled the same way that I spelled it uh, early in the podcast. And then we also have a merch store now. Our merch store has t-shirts, it has pillows, mugs, stickers, a bunch of different things in there. So definitely check it out. It all has the Blaze Experience logo on there, which we now own, by the way. Um, if I didn't mention that podcast before, we now officially own our logo completely. And our Teespring store, to find all our merch, it's going to be teespring.com slash stores slash Blaze Experience. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com slash stores slash Blaze Experience. So that is all of our ways to check us out. But, Monty, I appreciate you being back. You know, hopefully uh, you're not going to be taking four months to come back again. Hopefully not. And as, as always, thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. Uh, I hopefully we'll have you back, uh, you know, pretty soon this time too, because, you know, we are coming up on episode 100 and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do for that yet. So hopefully uh, you'll be involved some way on episode 100. Definitely. Definitely. But thank you for being here and thank you as well to all the listeners for listening to the Blaze Experience.